You're listening to the Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 6, Cockamamie, Living with Absurdity. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Clifton. Hey, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you over there. Uh, thank you. Uh, what's your name? Pete, Pete, Peter what? Peter what? Noche. Noche. I can make a joke. You're Italian, right? Yes, I, I am. Can make a, I'm not going to make a joke. You're too funny. You're too funny. <laughs> Get him off the stage. Get him off the stage. I make a joke. Here's a joke. You want a joke? Sure. No, here's a song instead. Here's a song instead. I left my babushka. Yeah, thank you. In Leningrad. Oh, yeah. This is totally absurd, Tony. We're living in an absurd universe. Wouldn't you say? We've lost Tony, I guess. Tony? Who's Tony? I don't know who Tony is. Tony Clifton. He's left. I know who Andy Kaufman is. And Andy Kaufman is uh, reputedly Tony Clifton. Although they never proved it. Because they never showed him on the same screen. That's right. And he never showed up in the same time that Tony Clifton did. So I think it's fascinating. And the world of the absurd is irrational, as we know, right? It's right. an irrational thing. And uh, Andy Kaufman was the premier purveyor of absurd comedy. Do you think Andy Kaufman created his character as kind of a sign of the times? Was it purely a, an artistic endeavor on his part? Or do you think he was trying to get a message across to people? I don't know his reasons for being the kind of comedian he was. I mean, he came along at a time when America, I think, was still embroiled in Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken. We need to check the timing of that. Would have been in the 70s. Yeah, well, America was out of the war by 72 so I'm not sure if he was just post that or, or whatever. But, I mean, every country takes itself too seriously. And the comedian's job is to mess with that seriousness and kind of shake it up and take us away from the gravity of the situation we're in, which is that the world can blow itself up a hundred times over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's absurd in itself. So how would you relate what he was doing in the 70s to today, do you think the same holds in terms of even though the history's changed, are we in kind of the same situation? Yeah, I think so. The only thing is that I think performers are a bit more constrained today than they were in Andy Kaufman's time. This was before 9 11. Mm -hmm. right? After 9 11, I think everything changed, everything shifted. And whatever absurdity was out there kind of got swallowed in the gravity of that one act. Of terrorism. And so when people are absurd now, when comedians are absurd, they still have to be politically correct to a certain degree. There are no more Richard Pryors around. Right. Do you think that was self-imposed or do you think that somehow our society kind of uh, evolved to that by their manners, by the choices they were making politically, corporately, that kind of channeled people into that more subdued performances? Yeah, I think what you just said, the latter We've been kind of channeled gradually into this more sort of serious place. Environmentalism, world poverty, refugees everywhere. When you think about the world, it's very hard to be lighthearted about it. And I give comedians great credit for breaking through that and trying to 
get us to look at the absurdities of life as we live it right mm-hmm. now, in the midst of all that. Right? right. So how much of that, though, do you think is because we've actually changed or simply because we have access to so much more information and so much quicker in terms of the Internet technologies, smartphones, tablets, all the access to communication channels that we have now? Do you think that the world has changed that much or do you think we just know more about it? Well, I think it's a fundamental change. I think we have changed The Internet especially has brought the absurdity of life into our everyday existence. You go online, you go to Facebook, and you see these uploads out of order, out of chronological order, about a cat, about a drought in Ethiopia, about Trump, and all manner of subjects, all like a barrage coming at you from different time zones, right? Two minutes ago, 13 days ago, three months ago, totally out of order. And it's a schizophrenic way of communicating. And we absorb that every single day. Mm -hmm. It's a wonder we're not schizophrenic ourselves, generally. It's like organized chaos. Yeah. Think about it. If you walk down the street and you spoke out loud every thought that came into your head, Mm -hmm. that would be the internet. So do you think, in a sense, that we've taken the act off the stage and put it onto the street. Yes, in a way, because the Internet is a stage and people use it as such. So let's go to Google, for instance, uh, which is probably the purveyor of a lot of the absurdity that you're speaking of in terms of how it's being used and the kind of information that is collected and made available to the public at large. See any connection there? Only that Google is kind of like a ringmaster. It's got all of these various areas under the big top that it now controls, and people don't really get anywhere under that big top unless they go through Google in some form or other. So it's like a kind of a ringmaster of the absurd, (laughs) allowing people to get access to all kinds of information, yes, but at the same time... um, What kind of information? What kind of information, and how is it given, and when is it given? See, to me, this chronological issue is a big one. I don't see a lot of people complaining about it, but I complain about it all the time. So tell me specifically what you mean, Harry. What I mean is you go online to your social media platform, and instead of having the uploads there in order of most recent to most distant, what they do is they upload the stories according to whether there's liked a lot or there's new comments added to them. So the top stories are the ones that are commented on a lot not the newest ones. And so you get something that was uploaded five minutes ago, followed by something that was uploaded three days ago. It bounces around in time. So you're kind of missing out on the very important sequence of events, which would paint a very different picture. Right. I mean, what do you think absurdity is? It takes us out of time and place. It puts us in a completely other mixed up... Wrong, Wrong context. Well, no context. (laughs) There is no context. We've lost all context. That equals absurdity. So no wonder we're all nuts. Right. So that was going to be my next question. What do you think this is doing to the human psyche? Yeah, it's, it's making us all crazy in one form or another. That's my thesis anyway. So where goes the credibility factor? How do you mean? What's credible? Well, you tell me. (laughs) What's credible out there? So we now have this extremely reliable search engine, so to speak, that we cannot really depend on in a total sense. We have to still decipher reality from what is made up or what is conjured up. Right. 
How do you do that in this world of ours? How do you do that? Intuition, largely. I rely on my own kind of sense of what I'm gathering. I don't know that it's always accurate, but I rely on life experience to a great extent, many of which the youthful users of these systems don't have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, without the life experience, I don't know that I'd be able to do that because I would be working on a mechanical, strategic level, not on a, an intuitive level. And what about young people who grow up in the world of the Internet? We didn't. We straddle it, right? We've mm -hmm. predate it. What about young people who grow up in the middle of this absurdity, of this barrage of uploads and information that comes at them out of time, out of sequence, out of space, right? You get a, an upload about Ethiopia and then something from upstate New York and then something from Oshawa, Ontario. And it's almost like when you see the news or hear the news on the radio, it's the same kind of thing. They'll give you 30 seconds of uh, Trump in Russia, and then they'll give you 30 seconds of Hurricane you know, Ezekiel in the West Indies, and they'll give you 30 seconds of the giant inflatable rubber duck in the Owen Sound uh, port bouncing around. And this is the news. This is the state of the news that we get. Well, you asked me the question about youth today, and you asked me about specifically about how do I think they're handling it or yeah. what's the approach. Uh, getting back to the basics of nature and getting in touch with our surroundings, uh, the things that are largely missing uh, in this technological world where children are no longer in the realm of the uh, natural environment. In other words, they're inside institutional buildings and schools and their homes, glued to their tablets, computers, and they're missing the most basic connection to the elements, the sky, the stars, the leaves, the trees, the so on and so forth, which is largely responsible for building our intuition. Right. And where is there any absurdity in Mother Nature, really? There isn't. Right. No, everything connects. Everything, everything connects happens for a reason. It's in, it's in sequence. You know, plants they have roots and they have a... There are cycles. And they grow up and then they wither and they die. And they're natural cycles, right, that are predictable. There's an unpredictability in the world of the Internet and information now that is, contributes to the absurdity we're talking about. Now, you use the word uh, unpredictability, which to me is interesting also from a perspective of if you, if you get into the realm of addiction... One of the factors about addiction with family members and people who are in the lives of people who have addictions, one of the primary things that is used to describe the situations that they're in is unpredictable. Right, right. Which ties into with what you were talking about. On a wider sense with technology, we're kind of creating this pattern that is lacking in security, mm -hmm. which in itself is an inhibitor to learning and an inhibitor to working or improving our intuitive abilities, which ultimately sometimes are the only line between deciphering the real from the unreal. Mm -hmm. and, and also what happens there is that, especially for young people who have grown up in this environment, they get hyper. Young people in general are rather hyper, and they're hyper because they don't feel that security in their heart, in their soul. Like the world is so unpredictable. Information is so unpredictably coming at them mm -hmm. that they don't have that sense of calm. They're constantly nervous for the next thing, for the next fix, the next enticement 
Which in itself affects the way you think and the way you process things. Right, and they don't really get how absurd the world is around them because they've been swallowed up in it. We get it because we were there before all this stuff hit like a firestorm. Mm-hmm. Right? So we see the absurdity in many ways that young people are not able to at this point, I think. It's become common nature. Yeah. Us old fogies. <laughs> you know, well, let's say, let's say older fogies. Older fogies. Now, we had our own absurdities in the world of music and art. We had Spike Jones and his crazy music with bells going off and whistles and you know, honk, honk. Spike Jones. Monty Python. We had Monty Python, the Marx Brothers. The Marx Brothers. Uh, Boy, this is so easy. A four-year-old could understand it. Get me a four-year-old. You know, stuff like that. Simple but fun stuff, but absurd. But really contained within the element of entertainment for a period of time, not a daily onslaught. That's right. You'd leave the the cinema having had a good laugh at the Marx Brothers and then go and live a life that was a bit more uh, predictable, a bit more uh, stable in different ways. Do you remember when for us the, the huge concern was whether or not we'd watch the Three Stooges and hammer our friend over the head <laughs> with an actual hammer or yeah. use our two fingers to poke out their eyes? Poke out their eyes, that's right, because you really wanted to poke out their eyes all the time, right? Yeah, no, it, it was fun in that way. But we also realized that that world was not our world, per se. It was to take us away from that world for just a, a few minutes to... Uh, have fun and laugh innocently. Now, we don't laugh innocently. We laugh cynically quite often. Right. But also that, that limitation was also created by the fact that we were put back into a system that kind of supported the opposite. So when we watched these shows, when we went back to our family life or to our schools, our teachers, our parents brought us back down to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, even those elements are skewed because these same people are also immersed into this world themselves. Sure. So the latest example, of course, is our ever popular Donald Trump Mm -hmm. in America, who is so absurd that he's coming across as normal. You know, if you use the same words over and over again, no matter how absurd, eventually People just adapt. As humans, we're infinitely adaptable. And so that becomes less and less absurd the more and more we hear it. And that's the scary thing. That's the scary thing, that people just sort of stop listening. And it becomes the norm. It becomes the atmosphere. Uh, Rather than taking each thing he says and throwing a firestorm right back at him, Mm -hmm. you know, really hammering away at him. But getting back to the connection to technology, I mean, a lot of that has been due in great measure to what he's had access to, this constant tweeting, the whole way of communicating quickly and easily has all been facilitated by technology. That's right. And so all that information, the communications he sends out, it it just fuels the whole absurd notion of what democracy has become in America. It's a farce. It's a French farce. Okay, so from where I sit, my concern with all this is that it can also be twisted to that bias. In other words, a lot of argument can be made from the example you just gave as to the negative aspects of technology, which to me, the other side has to be brought into the picture. This is one individual or group of individuals who use it in an adverse way, but the same tool could be used to help people. 
like this podcast, for example, or other forms of communication where people can actually use the technology to be informed. Give me an example of how you would use the technology to kind of bypass the absurdity problem. Well, within the context of this conversation, for example, we're, we're talking about this subject. We're talking about it from our personal experience, and we're talking about it from the world that we're immersed in. And in the process of this conversation, we're garnering another opinion or another thought on the whole subject. So if someone was listening, they might go, hmm, yeah, there's a lot of absurdity, but there's also an understanding now that because of the conversation or because of the information that I just received... That was something that I didn't think about before. I didn't, that I didn't sit back and go, yeah, hey, that's really happening. I haven't been thinking about it. Well, here's the challenge for those people listening to what you just said, is how long will that thought form sit in their consciousness before something else comes along to draw them away to another absurd tweet or absurd something in the world? That's the challenge we face, is that our attention spans have become tiny little dots, really. They don't last very long. And so something good may come at you in the way of information via technology. How long is that going to stick before the next absurd thing comes along and takes you over? What I would say to that is, what about not doing it at all? So to me, not doing it at all is worse in terms of even if you have it only for a moment, or a short period of time, at least you have it. And if you do it on a wide scale and you repeat it, in other words, not just you and I, but we discuss this, other people discuss this, and we start to create a sort of group think that just slowly, slowly within your own household, within your own core group of friends, within your community, and slowly filters out. Now, it may not happen. I have no idea, really. But not doing it, it definitely will not happen. All right, Robin, come back. What? Can I come back? Tony! Oh! Yeah, uh, I came back here. Tony. Yeah, Tony Clifton. I'm really happy to be here, and I can sing another song. Are we closing on an absurd note here? Wait, this is the best, the best way to do it. It's like close on an absurd note. You know, uh, so here's a song for you. Um, I left my heart. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production, available at ConnectingDotsMedia.com.